This is the JWN Podcast. Marissa Summel is an artist and musician currently based in Charleston, South Carolina. identity with her band is known as Maya Gold. Marissa's degree in philosophy combined with her life's experiences have strengthened her ability to overcome the challenges of her life through a creative voice. This was such a fun and free-flowing conversation and I know you're just going to love seeing the world through her empathetic perspective. Here's my conversation with Marissa Sumwalt. Murphy's Law into your heart. <laughs> you know. Yes. That's like the one thing in school that I've actually thought of. Well, I've thought about a lot that I've learned in school, but Murphy's Law is one that I've like, I think about more than, you know, algebra or geometry. You see it in many facets of life. Like, oh, if I buy this stock today, it's going to tank tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And like when it does, you just tell everybody, oh, you can thank me for di-. Or if I sell, it's going to go up tomorrow. You know, yeah. same difference. People have assumed that we all have this magical power <laughs> to control the fates of many by our decision making, which, mm-hmm. you know, when, we, when you first walked in, I was, you uh, kind of said the same type of thing. Yeah. We basically, you know, uh, you just don't want to tempt fate. Yeah. You, you don't. And I don't know why that is. Why yeah. do we? I think we like to be comfortable. Yeah. So that's one way to not, or like to stay in your comfort zone, I think. Yeah. Is to think, well, if it's going to come back down anyway, then I'll just not take the chance. Of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, do you find yourself in situations in your life right now where, where the comfortable choice is actually not the one that's benefiting you, but you know it, so you're and you're not scared of it because you know it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I almost always believe that the comfortable choice is not the one that's going to benefit you the most. Um, I feel like sometimes you have to be uncomfortable to like affect the greatest change. Yeah. Um, And I mean, sometimes you don't need to change, but I feel like as humans, we're always growing and evolving and um, learning, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we know more today than we did yesterday. So I feel like whenever I feel like very comfortable where I am, it's like makes me anxious (laughs) because I feel like... um, like someone's going to pull the rug out from underneath well, you? Well, yeah. Yes. That. Or that you're on a path that maybe you're not you're not going in the right direction because you're too comfortable. Or I'm not challenging myself enough. Yeah. And I'm actually working on that with my therapist about just allowing myself to be happy exactly where I am and not always thinking, well, I can't be happy unless I do this or unless I accomplish this or unless my house is clean 100% of the time and all the dishes are done and stuff like that. So I feel like um, feeling comfortable sometimes for me almost feels like ignorance. Yeah. Like there's always things people can work on and, you know, grow and become better at and um, like dive deep into. And I feel like 
sometimes when I'm not ready to challenge or like step into the next like level of myself, I'll just be like, I'm comfortable exactly where I am. But knowing good and well, that voice in the back of my head is like, mm, but are you? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> mm, how, how long do you want to stay here? How long are we planning to be yeah. here? What's coming Should up we on? set up camp or probably not? It, it, <laughs> I, I ride that line mm-hmm. in my life constantly. I think oh, we yeah. all do. Yeah. Because you, you're sitting there going like, all right, well, I've got everything I need, but I don't feel satisfied. Yeah. And I don't know if that's an American thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, is that a capitalist kind of like American, like, you know, you got to work hard and, mm-hmm. and party hard and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And keep achieving and like, mm-hmm. you know, the whole the whole basis of capitalism is like if you have to keep making more and more and more and more yeah. and more or else it all falls apart. Yeah. It's like, well, where's the end there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it comes from me like having all these things growing up and like thinking that I needed, you know, to have my high school education and then go to college and have my college education. And then I was just going to magically find a job and I like truly believe the college degree was like the golden ticket. Like to, you needed it. Yeah, I needed mm-hmm. it. But then I didn't really think about everything that goes into like outside of your degree, like all the experience, all of the um, internships and the, you know, basically they expect you to have a four year degree and 10 years of experience. Yeah. And you're like, well, I just graduated. Um, <laughs> but look at this paper. Look, I, I did, really I did well. it. I did it. I yeah. Very hard I finished for this. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and I think like going through that early on in life and being 28 now and looking back and I did those things cause I thought I didn't have another choice. Right. Like, I thought, okay, I graduated high school. I did really well. So I'm going to go to college at a good university and get my degree, and then then I'll figure out what I want to do with my life. Did you feel like there was a lot of pressure from, like, your the, the schools you're in and your parents all just basically telling you, like, this is the path. This is how you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity to go to, you know, higher education school. And I learned so much outside of the classes I took at college. I went to Clemson. Uh-huh. Oh, um, oh, oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh. Oh, you don't know how became You just became my wife's. <laughs> New favorite Ooh, uh, yeah. indie rock artist. Yeah. And cool. art slash slash uh sculptor yeah. slash whatever. There's a lot of things you do. There's a lot of things. Yeah. Could, could I tell you? I, I didn't know it first. I didn't realize it at first because I'm just kind of brain dead half the time walking <laughs> around through life. And then I was like, wait, this is this this is yeah. my goal. Yeah. Oh, I'm a moron. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the names the the two different names are kind of confusing, but well, you do kind um, of keep it separate in your yeah, your your social media empire. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. never had you know anything of mine called an empire. So I I think it, if you've got more than five followers now, you can just be like, "This is, this my, is my empire." empire. <laughs> if you had five dogs, you'd be like, "I am now the yeah, lord of that this." That is true. I hope to have five dogs. Dog. I hope to have five dogs. I love dogs. Yeah, yeah, they bring me a lot of joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think. As far as like keeping my art and my music and kind of like me separate has been important. Yeah. Um, because I need each of those outlets so greatly to kind of be my best self mm-hmm. and have the areas to express creativity. And um, I think it's been really incredible to have the opportunity to fall back into kind of the things I've always loved to do. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. It, and. It's fun to 
come to grips with the idea that like these things don't have to be on a grand scale. Yeah. So like when you're young and you start playing an instrument or you get into music, I don't, mm -hmm. maybe not, maybe kids today are totally yeah. different. Yeah. I know that I was lucky enough at a young age that I got into music. You know, I was listening to like big hair metal and, yeah. and, but also like the Ramones and the replacements mm -hmm. at the same time. I'm hearing, oh, like, yeah. I'm hearing all of that kind of music because, mm -hmm. you know, you got like the 80, late 80s new wave kind of stuff that was like that, you know, second wave of punk rock and whatnot went on. And, but you also had the, I was like 13 years old when yeah. like Guns N' Roses and oh, Molly yeah. Crew and Poison are like at the yes. height of their career. So yeah. it's like, yeah. So you have these, these, <laughs> these delusions like of grandeur. Like mm -hmm. if I learn how to play, then like, I have to play that way. But if I learn how to play like Slash, I'm going to be a rock star. Yeah. I'm going to be like king of the world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You get this yeah. delusion. And then, and then uh, luckily, like I kind of entered into the punk rock scene at an early age mm -hmm. and, and like all of those like visions of grandeur went away. Cause I was like, well, that's not the point of this. The point of this is to connect with other people exactly. and express yourself because finding the words isn't always there for you. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. So coming back into it later in life, You've already kind of gotten past. Yeah. And when I say later in life, you're freaking young. So uh, let's <laughs> I just, appreciate that. <laughs> but, but but you know what I mean? Like yeah. if you were like 16 just starting mm -hmm. out, you oh, might gosh. have you might be a little bit more precious mm -hmm. yeah. about where you think this is going. Yeah. And, and I think I would have probably been a lot more influenceable, if that's a word. Yeah, because I I still feel like I'm figuring out my sound and uh, you know, what I want to produce, how I want my music to sound in the world that I'm writing. Right. But I think I'm creating it from the place of I want it to sound what feels best to me and what I connect with the most yeah. as I am right now. Whereas I think if I was younger, I really cared a lot about what other people thought mm -hmm. and what my parents thought. And I think if I had someone that I really looked up to tell me, I think this sounds better. Like, I think you should do it this way, not that way. I mm -hmm. think I probably would have listened. And I mean, I, I definitely take advice from those I look up to now, mm -hmm. but I have more of a strong sense of who I am now. Right. And so I think if I look up to someone and they say, you should do it this way, not this way, but my heart and my mind tell me this way, like the other way is the way to go, that I'm not scared to stand up for myself. Whereas when I think I was younger, I probably would have been a little bit like, well, you know, they know best and I probably don't know best. And even though I wrote it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, it, I think a lot of women go through that. In yeah, and your, your band kind of is fluid as far as you have mm -hmm. members come and go. It, yeah. It's really, Maya Gold would be just you. <laughs> Right, it's but the band, but, but there is yeah. a band. Mm -hmm. There is a band. Yeah, um, but the members have changed throughout the years. But yeah, they have. But do you? Are they uh, ever involved in the songwriting with you guys? Um, so we have written a few together. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're writing. I hope to write more in the future with them. Yeah. Um, but right now, um, I usually like the ones I've written since me and um, Curtis, Michael, and Nick have been together. Um, I'll bring them a mostly complete song mm -hmm. and then we'll finish the composition and like how we want to do it on stage and where we want to come in and the structure of the song right. is written together, which is really cool. You'll put like the, the spit shine and yeah. the, the tweaking. Yeah. And, and that's that. so nice because I feel like lyrics usually come pretty easy to me. 
when I sit down or that's what I tell myself. Um, <laughs> Just sit down and do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the best songs I've written, um, I've written in one sitting. Yeah. Which, which they, you feel guilty. Yeah. Cause then when you sit down and you're like halfway through and you're like, I don't know where to go from here. You're like, Oh no, this won't be a good one because it's not finished. But I think that has been a practice of continuing anyway, you know, and coming back to those songs that I haven't finished right? and kind of, um, overcoming that stigma of that. I put on my own music of, well, it's not going to be good unless I sit down in one city. And that's been just a day, kind of a, I don't know if daily practice would be the, the word, but kind of like a lifelong example of just the lessons I've learned in that of, you may think something is one way, but then you realize it's only you that taught yourself that lesson. Yeah, these are. And you're yeah. changing and you're growing and you're learning new things. So you can, you can change the status quo when you're the one that I mean, wrote it. <laughs> it goes right back to the, how we just started this yeah. this conversation. Like mm -hmm. you really are sabotaging yourself mm -hmm. with like this mystical belief that somehow because you weren't being force fed this song mm -hmm. through what seems like you've, you're basically robbing the muse. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like it just is coming right out of you. And mm -hmm. you're like, I just uh regurgitated something and I don't yeah. know where it came from and yeah. here it is mm -hmm. as opposed to the songs that you you have to fight for yeah can take years to write mm -hmm. what I remember from back in my band days were the songs that came out quickly uh definitely always ended up becoming like the fan favorite type yeah. songs that like mm -hmm. the ones that really just hit home and I, mm -hmm. and, I, and I don't I have a lot of theories about that yeah but the ones that I worked hardest at you um, enjoy playing them as Exactly. Yeah, Those yeah. were the most fun to play. Yeah. Most like you saw that song coming up in the set list, and you're like, "Oh, great! This yeah. song's coming up. I'm gonna, yeah. This is so much fun to play because mm -hmm. you really thought you it put out. in the work. Yeah, yeah. And you, you and uh, and I, and to me, those songs always feel like the ones. Like if I go back and listen to my catalog now, those, those are the, are the songs that to. I like more. Yeah, yeah. And and it's. And I wonder, so one of my theories mm -hmm. about this, mm -hmm. we're getting heady into the song. Yeah, right? let's I like let's it. do it. Uh, one of my theories about it is because you're because it's coming flowing through you so easily, and it's it's really you processing whatever subconscious influence has yeah. come over to you either that day, that month, that week, whatever your whole lifetime, whatever mm -hmm. you're feeling is you're you've already kind of processed it in the back. You've done the work. Mm -hmm. You just don't know because it's subconsciously. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's a reaction to like something that that is on your mind. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the stuff you're working at, you're really searching for something to say because you're yeah. like, I might have this riff or this chord progression that just really hits me in, in a way that maybe the lyrics don't mm -hmm. yet. Yes. So I'm waiting to, I'm just going to keep messing with this <laughs> until all of a sudden something comes to my head and, mm -hmm. and, and, and like I can verbalize it through lyrics. Yeah. But that seems to be the trap that a lot of mm -hmm. rock and roll based music that we're all in right now, as far mm -hmm. as we keep reinventing the same wheel yeah. for many years now. Mm -hmm. Like it's drums, bass, guitar, or piano, and or piano, I guess. And, and like some form of that, whether now it's a synthesizer and a drum machine or like a looped sample, but it's of that yeah. <laughs> stuff. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm like, what is going to be a popular form of music that defies all that? Because mm -hmm. when when people have tinges of stepping away from that, 
yeah. you see some great success, especially when it happens and you don't recognize like, oh, wait, this doesn't sound like anything else. Yeah. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, how do we how do we escape this formula that we've put ourselves into? Like you said before, mm-hmm. we're all comfortable with it. Yeah. And that's what we know. So like if you were to come out and and, and lay the beat down with like. I don't know, a breathing exercise. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, here's the sound of me brushing my hair and yeah. that's the beat. Yeah. So, so one cool thing that I've learned in my process of, cause I mean, I've always written music. Um, I picked up the guitar when I was about 12 or 13, my brother got a guitar mm. and he wanted to learn how to play and he took lessons and he got really good. He's an incredible musician but he just taught me like the basic chords mm-hmm. and then I made up some chords that aren't chords but I just thought they sounded cool that Your I still use in my songs yeah, like, yeah. this is Ooh, cool this sounds kind of cool um and is then it normal to have your toe up on the fretboard I don't know <laughs> but it looks cool and it sounds cool <laughs> that's great that's a great mental picture um but and then so I I was in choir in high school and um just classical choir Mm. And I stopped playing my guitar um, kind of in college. Um, and I wasn't, I was writing music, but I don't really remember any of it. Mm. I have a few songs that I do remember from that time. But then um, at the end of college and for a few years after, I really didn't touch my guitar. Um, and I wasn't writing. I was kind of in this from, you know, what we touched on earlier. I, I thought I had the formula for what I needed to do to be happy because right. I wasn't in college. I really struggled with depression, anxiety, and um, I had to take some time off in school and work, which I'm really thankful I did. And I think it made me more grateful when I did go back and finish because I had more of an intention and more of a, a drive to do it because I wanted to finish. Mm-hmm. But afterwards, I was like not landing any jobs. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, and I thought I had to get a nine to five and make this amount of money for my parents to be proud of me and for me to be able to be proud of myself. And so I wasn't writing anything. I wasn't playing music. I wasn't dancing. I wasn't painting. I a hundred percent get it. And I was like, oh, you know, on the backside of that hole I was in, I'm like, well, no wonder you're digging deeper in the hole because the things that make you most yourself, you weren't participating in them because mm-hmm. I don't know if I hadn't identified them yet or if I was comfortable ignoring the things that I knew had to that I knew I had to do to get out of the hole. Because I think yeah. when sometimes you're depressed, it's like you embrace it. And I did that for many a year. So I just thought like, well, I'm depressed, you know, I used it as kind of an excuse. And then through a few years of therapy, I realized like I stopped using it as an, as an excuse and more of a portal to better understand how my mind works and to be more open to other people about how they struggle and, mm-hmm. um, what they're going through. So, um, yeah, I didn't touch my guitar for probably four years and I was, wasn't, I, a big journaler and, um, a bit painter and creator so yeah. um you have a, a, a plethora of artistic outlets yeah, yeah. and I wasn't employed yeah I wasn't participating in any of them and um did you did you feel um when that was going on like you you kept saying like you'd see your guitar in the corner or your sketchbook or whatever it mm-hmm. was and, and you're like yeah that's me and then as time goes on 
that that was me. Well, <laughs> and yeah. Then, and I then did you feel start to, you're you're afraid to pick up the guitar because you're like how out of shape. Like the calluses are even gone on my fingers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, like what will happen if if I pick it up? Then I won't even be where I was. Like yeah. How oh, you, now you're starting to look at it with resentment. You're like oh, I'm scared of that thing. Well, but, almost yeah. So I was I was working um, in clinical research um, and. I had that nine to five job that mm-hmm. I thought was my quote unquote formula for success and formula for was what it a I job had been or taught. Cr- like I thought that of your was career. going to be a beginnings yeah. of my career. It's a big um, difference. Yeah, and yeah. I wasn't happy. Um, mm-hmm. The work environment I was in, I was gr- very grateful for the opportunity to work in that field because I really did enjoy the work, but um, I wasn't. I was putting everything into my job and. Um, I was working really long hours and I just, I didn't feel appreciated. Wow. And I felt like, um, I, I felt like I had this conflict in my head of this is what I'm quote supposed to be doing. Yeah. I have a college degree. I've worked so hard. I had a degree Mm. in psychology. So I thought research was the perfect outlet and I just felt very, confused and like, well, Mm -hmm. I thought this is what I needed to do to be happy. And this is, I thought this was what success meant. So, um, I, I decided to get back into therapy. Um, and through that, that stint of therapy, I, cause I felt this like sense of change coming. I was like, you know, I need something different and I need to make the most out of my time. And I was, in a relationship at the time that I had started in college when I was still in college that brought me to Charleston. And I think it was the end of that too. I, um, I knew I wasn't happy in that for a long time, but I was quote comfortable, right? you know, and I wasn't challenging myself. I was kind of in just like a habit of doing these things, but I wasn't being fulfilled by any of them. Yeah. And so I think through that sent in therapy, I realized a, I need to end this relationship B, I need to, she asked me the question one day of, you know, what would your six-year-old self look at you and say? What would she be proud of? And I was like, wow. Um, And I, you know, thought those things. I was like, well, she went to college and this and this. I'm like, well, I don't know if I had that grasp of what happiness was when I was six because that's really young. So I would say, hmm. And she goes, you know, the next few months, I want you to connect back with her. And I want you to just do something every week that she would be proud of you for. Not your 13-year-old self that's like, oh, I'm important and I need to be smart and I need to be perceived in a certain way. But the six-year-old that doesn't have any of those, you know, societal aspects yet. You know, she's just imaginative and creative (laughs) and she's making up all these stories in her yard and um, singing and dancing and just being herself. So that was kind of my journey for a few months there of, I'm like, okay, well, I started painting again. That was my first thing that I got back into. I started working out again and just exercising and being outside more. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I ended my that relationship and I met my current boyfriend, Seth, and Um, he really inspired me when I was falling in love with him too. I just, you know, you know, those divine moments where you say like, you've thought about everything in your subconscious and then you just put it down on paper in the one sitting. And I wrote, um, 
I wrote the first song I'd written in years and years um, about him and falling in love with him. And um, I, I think that love inspires people a lot musically. Uh, yes. Um, yes. I was sure. confused at a young age. Yeah. Because um, like I, saw, I told you earlier, like I was, you know, hitting puberty when like hair metal was the big thing <laughs> and every song was about <laughs> sex and it was objectifying and it was like, um, it was a weird message mm-hmm. to get. And it was like, why is every song about this? Yeah. And why, like, especially when anything? people are telling me not to do it. Right. Yeah. And that's why I always loved like the Ramones or the replacements. Cause I was like, look, you can write a song <laughs> about sniffing glue. <laughs> like you don't have to talk about sex all the yeah, time. Yeah. And, but, but love is a whole different a story whole that it's not yeah. sex. But so, so when mm-hmm. now you're, you're connecting with other people because it's, it's a, it's a universal truth, Yeah, you know, that mm-hmm. you're, you're tapping into. Yeah. Um, I think connecting with that unleashed, it kind of unlocked. So I was closing that chapter of my life yeah. and stepping into a new one. And I think making that connection with music again and songwriting and being able to put my thoughts down on paper into a clear thought Mm-hmm. That was really a victory for me because, you know, for so many years, I thought I knew what I thought. Right. And I thought I knew how I felt. But then when I would try to vocalize it or put it into words, there was just such a disconnect between my like mind and my heart and what I was saying. Um, and I think a lot of people that struggle with anxiety, first of all, mm. they have that disconnect. So I thought what I just was so grateful to have that moment of divine bliss kind of of having feeling a certain way having my mind and my heart and my you know human ability to write something down makes sense and so I think that kind of that portal of into the next chapter of my life it allowed me to open the door and kind of shut it on that last chapter and then I started writing music about everything and I I um I did want to talk about so as I said earlier, I was in choir all through high school. Yeah. We had a great, great choir. I had a wonderful choir director, Mr. Mack, that really believed in me and saw my potential. But I had crippling stage fright. Oh, no. Like crippling. And I did not know this about you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I could sing in a choir all day or like a small group because you could hear other people. But when I was just singing alone, I, I had like a physical, you know, adversion to it like my anxiety in my throat and my lip would quiver and like my because when you have anxiety like that your throat tightens up a lot Mm -hmm. so your voice becomes very small and um I I was given a a solo in my freshman like pops choir a memory from cats which I love that musical (laughs) my mom and dad and I like they took me to cats every chance they got. Like really, we grew up in Iowa, and it would come to the capital, and they'd take me. I mean, I saw that probably three or four times as a kid. Wow. Um, and so I was so excited, and oh my gosh, I mean, you watch it back on like the DVD, and I guess I did fine. Like I auditioned fine, mm-hmm. I got the part, but I think that was the first time that I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this again. Like I don't, I don't want to. So think scared myself. that it like. <laughs> It was traumatizing? Yeah, wow. it, it was in a way. Because um, I was, you know, I was 14 years old. And I mean, I felt so comfortable in my choir and mm-hmm. with the people around me. But being on stage and like 
in front of a lot of people. I, I don't really know. But right. Um, and then it, that continued throughout my high school career. I didn't really want to sing solos. I led my section in the choir my senior year. I was an all-state choir. Um, so it's like, I think I learned how to be a exceeding member in a group, really, like sports-wise. And um, I, You had like natural leadership. Yeah, I'm a Leo. So Leo sun and a Leo moon. Boom. So bam. Um, yeah, that's definitely in my blood. But then, you know... <laughs> We just fist bumped, by the way, because I'm also a Leo. So <laughs> if you don't know what that little exchange was. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The universal, like, yeah. Um, but yeah. And so I think I had that natural ability to kind of lead. Um, and when I was younger, I felt like I had the the means to do so in right. those areas. But then when it came to like when I was anxious about something or when I started second guessing myself, that was a really weird feeling to feel because I'm like, well, I feel like I sh I'm the leader of this, you know. Um, and I don't think I had that like self-doubt until I was a little bit older. But my senior year, I, I did a duet, um, like a senior showcase duet. And I mean, I did fine, mm -hmm. but I was still very scared. And so... Um, I went to Clemson and I was in the choir at Clemson. I didn't even know Clemson had a choir. Yeah, they have an incredible choir. Wow. Yeah. Um, they have a women's choir and a men's choir and then a mixed choir. And I was trying out, they have a, a girls group take note and I was going to try out for it because my, one of my friends, older friends that was a year older than me was in it. And she really encouraged me to do it. She just heard me singing in the car and stuff. And, um, there was a lot of girls at the tryout yeah. and I had to sit for like 30 minutes and I had my paper in my hands and it was just shaking. And I was like, I knew what song I was going to sing. I like practiced all day and like probably two people before me, I just walked out. I just walked out. I was oh. like, I was like, I can't do this. You're so crippled that you I was, couldn't even go in. Yeah, oh, I no. couldn't even go in. And so I look back at that and I'm comfortable enough thinking about it that I was not ready to have that moment. Like I needed that moment of walking away from a great opportunity to later in life look back at that and say, I will never do that again. Yeah. And so you learned from a kind of failure. Yeah. To, to, you know, what that feels like mm -hmm. and, and yeah. And I think that I needed to walk away in that moment because of so many other reasons, you know, like, I don't know if I would have been able to participate or if I had the maturity to like keep up, you know, being in a group like that. And, um, yeah, that fear of, of wait, responsibility. if I get this, <laughs> can I even do it? Yeah. Like, will I be yeah. able to maintain this? Yeah. And at yeah. that time in my life, I was like, no, you can't do it. And so I had a really negative self-talk track through college, I think. Oh, no. Um, and I mean, I think a lot of people do. They just don't really talk about it, especially women. Um, and so I and I was, you know, I had I never had the opportunity to sing solo or I didn't create those opportunities from myself after that because I was so scared. And so when I picked my guitar up and wrote that song about Seth and... What was, was the name of that song, by the way? It's called Falling. Aww. Yeah. Um, and I was so scared to sing it for him. And I, you know, there was one night, I mean, I had written it like a month prior. And I just, I think I had had like a couple drinks. And I was like, okay, I want to sing something. And I like 
sat like halfway across my apartment at the time and like turned away from him and sang it. I was so scared. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, That is so sweet though. Like that's such a brave thing to do. Yeah. But I felt comfortable. He's always made me feel like I can do anything that I put my mind to. And um, Did he cry? He did not cry, but he was stoked about it. He's like, oh my gosh, you read that about me? (laughs) Right. I, I, I think the realization like when that kicks in, you're like, Oh my. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's heavy. Like, and I was falling. Yeah. I was falling in love mm. with him from the second I met him. But um, I think I started playing guitar a lot more after that. Yeah. And then um, I remember being over at his house one time and having my guitar because I was just playing around. And one of his friends, Brant, was over and he asked me to sing the song that I wrote for Brant. And I had that physical reaction of like, like, oh, Oh God, I can't sing in front of people. And, um, you know, I I think at that time where I had made such large, important decisions for Mm -hmm. myself in my life up to that point, that in that moment, I I did sing. I did sing for him. And as I kept singing, that physical anxiety kind of washed away. Right. And... um, I think that moment was me deciding to not be scared anymore. Yeah. And then... Taking charge. Yeah, taking charge. And um, so I wrote a bunch of songs over that six-month period. Um, Quite a few that just came out like in one sitting. Mm -hmm. And um, Seth and some of my friends really encouraged me to do like an open mic night at Ellieboro Mini Bar. So that was just about two years ago that I sang songs for the very first time played my guitar and um i, I look love at that the place by the way i love that place and then workshop which i'm so sad that they're closing but i i played there every single tuesday i mean i would go to work i'd be there at eight o'clock i'd barely get off at like six and i'd be wearing scrubs sometimes i played it in scrubs that's awesome and um, did you play this did you cover the song scrubs just because no. <laughs> i feel like that would have been I should have. I should have. Yeah. Um, that would, in the future, I will. Well, I don't have to wear scrubs anymore. But, like, yeah, if yeah. you're ever in a situation where you find yeah. yourself wearing scrubs, yeah. you just be like, I, listen, just so y'all know, <laughs> I'm aware that this is going on. And just to put a, an exclamation point at the end of this, yeah. here's the song Scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want, yeah. Um, I just, yeah. So I think <laughs> that's okay. I'm not very punny. Like, I'm not very quick-witted. Like, I'll always think of, like, a good, funny thing Mm. to add to a conversation about 15 seconds too late. Or sometimes two days too late. I'm like, man, that would have been a good one. But I'll just laugh to myself. But, yeah, I will think I'll... I'll think about playing scripts. Yeah, then you're you're like, man, now I gotta get back into medicine. Just to just to deliver on this. Ironically, I have to get back into clinical research, ironically, (laughs) to deliver a joke. Um that would be funny. You know, hey, maybe you'll break through and like mm -hmm. in that process, you'll like discover a way to use your art in and combine it and and become this like breakthrough. Maybe. You know. Punny artist. No. No. I I have such because wordplay puns things like that they have their place when they're done perfectly well. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I moved to the south, Ooh. my distaste for that yeah. form of humor was like completely blown out because I was just like, you can't even drive down the road. Like every store, Billboard. every mom and pop store has got a punny name. Yep. 
and like every yeah billboard churches have it yeah. on their front and it's like, like just, a language here and i was like yeah. oh my gosh yeah these people are not funny why do they think this is funny <laughs> this isn't funny this is just lazy <laughs> yeah and then they i feel like well i don't mean to be judgmental about certain people but Mm-hmm. I think because I grew up in the Midwest. Judge away. Yeah, I grew up in a very small town in the, in Iowa, where you know the bigger town out of the two I lived in between had twelve hundred people. That's a, and, oh um, my goodness. Yeah, so my grade had like forty kids in it, and I mean, I my fam my mom's from there, and my mm-hmm. whole family still lives there, and I love that I had that experience growing up. I feel like it really allowed me to be unapologetically myself when I was mm-hmm. little, and because I I really, you know how people say like in small communities, you're really raised by a village. I definitely feel like it was that way. Like, um, I loved being around my family and community there. So, and then when I was 12, I moved to Greenville and, um, my college or my college, my high school had, I think we had like 270 kids in our grade. So I think that was kind of like a culture shock of like, oh gosh, especially when you're that young coming to the South. Um, I didn't really understand the nuances of like humor and language oh, yeah. and how people communicate differently. Um, so I'm, but I'm very thankful now as an adult that I have like the Midwestern experience mm. of communication and, and just way of life. And then like the Southern way as well. Cause right. I feel like. <laughs> say it, say it, don't hold back. <laughs> no one will know. I just, I just, I'm very grateful that I grew up in the Midwest. I'm very grateful. Um, yeah, I feel well, a lot more open-minded and kind-hearted. I maybe. feel, I feel bad, or not bad. I, yeah. I don't know what I feel. I don't, yeah, I don't I feel, feel bad for people that grew up here. But no, 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 not that grew up here. Yeah. They, that never experienced living yeah. in multiple yes, places. Yes, yes. yes, yeah. Because what happens, even if you grow up in a gr- the greatest place on mm-hmm. earth. So let's say you were born in this. Let's just pick a, a great like Paris. Yeah. And if you never left Paris. Mm-hmm. You'd be such, you'd be so robbed of the human experience. It's hard to understand how other people feel. And yeah, I think everybody should live in different places in their life. Even as an adult, like if you've lived the same where, if you've lived in the same place, you know, your whole life, I think you should go out of your comfort zone and kind of live somewhere else just for a time. It really does change your perspective on things. It it helps you understand that A, whatever fears you had Mm -hmm. of a different type of person, Mm -hmm. Or largely just that, just fear. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're based on on just you not understanding or knowing them. Once you understand or know them, and you're like, these are great people. Yeah. I just, you know, some of it I don't get. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not going to do some of the things that people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's cool. I'm yeah. I'm okay with that because I know that they're come. That's just culture. That's where they're coming from. That's what they know. Mm-hmm. And they're growing. They're evolving into mm-hmm. other things. And and we're all kind of yeah. melting into the the internet has made it so like there's. A lot less, you know, it's almost like a a virtual representation of the strip mollification <laughs> of the world. That's incredible. I love you know? that visual. Yeah. But, but, but it's, yeah. Br- it's bringing everybody together on the same page. Because mm-hmm. if everyone goes on to like, say, Reddit, and you start figuring out what the group think is of any community on like the internet, mm-hmm. um, and you start like understanding how they react and how they think and like what's what's the 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 rules are, of engagement are yeah yeah and, and yeah and it starts to to tear away a lot of and there's good and bad in that like there's yeah. good in that there's a lot more people who 
can find their crowd. You know, if you grow up yeah. in, a, in a small town with mm-hmm. 1,200 people, finding other people that maybe are into pink u- unicorns and <laughs> blackberry yogurt. Yeah. Um, I love that about the internet. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. finding your group is a lot harder in the older days. Yeah. But now you can find your group. So you could be mm-hmm. that weird kid and yeah. you no longer feel like the weird Ostracized. kid. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I love that about the internet. I like, I, um, my, my favorite, like true crime podcast is called my favorite murder. Oh yeah. They, and, um, uh, did you go when they came here? A couple yes, years I ago? did. I was it there. was incredible. <laughs> yes. They're so great. And, um, their Facebook group itself has shut down, but they have all these spinoff groups of like, I'm in like, um, uh, like a Harry Potter one where mm. like it's people that love the podcast, but then they also love Harry Potter and like a Bob's Burgers one and a Game of Thrones one. And like, um, yeah, it's just, it's incredible that I think the internet in that sense creates a lot more opportunity if you have the gusto to kind of seek out other people that, right? like, if you have the gusto to be kind of like unapologetically yourself, you can really find people that are interested in anything. And I love that aspect of it. Because, I mean, I have a lot of different things that I'm interested in that, say, my best friend isn't really that interested to or my mm-hmm. boyfriend really isn't that interested to. But I can still participate in that interest. On, on the And movie. I think those positives kind of outweigh my my intimidation of what all of that means. Yeah. But there is still something a little sad about like traveling to a different city in the United States where you used to have to go travel to get like a specific type of food or see a specific type of art Mm -hmm. or see a specific type of architecture. The architecture is still kind of there, but you could still see pictures of it and video and all that. Um, Whereas now, like I said, the strip mollification where everything is starting to become samesies, mm-hmm. you know, so you go any place in America and you're like, oh, here's a TJ Maxx next to yeah. a grocery store, next to a rack room shoes, yeah. next to a pet smart or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. oh, look, oh, here's here's a Moe's and yeah. here's a pizza yeah. place or a Chinese food place. It's like the same thing over and over yeah. and over again, no matter where you go. But I think it's the lesson of... Like, I think of all that, yes, and that is a lot of how America is, but it's the places that are different that I remember the most. Well, yeah. You know? I mean, And that's a lesson to, to, like, as a human. Like, there's lots of aspects of people that are the same, but it's really what makes you different, like, or what stands out um, that is, is special, right. I think, and that people remember. And I think you have to, it's like, People that want to encourage the strip mollification of businesses and, you know, just make every area the same, um, they don't, like, appreciate the differences or, like, respect them. Yeah. But I think, like, that's why, I don't know where I'm going with this. But I just it's feel like. It's complicated. You know, because you're taught everything's the same and you want everything to be the same. But then as an adult, you learn, like, well, actually, it's, the, it's not the TJ Maxx that I remember it's no. it's the you know thrift shop on this street in this random city that I found and walked into. That's one of a kind. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I mean that, one of my favorite destinations in any town I go to is like where's the music store? Where's the yeah. where's the where's the record store? Because mm-hmm. those are things. Because there's no such thing as like a Tower Records anymore. Yep. So those are the things where you get that 
mom and pop mm-hmm. individual feel and you could really get the vibe. Yeah. Because then you could see, oh, where's the local music section? Mm-hmm. And you could see what yeah. kind of things like the indie people, like mm-hmm. the, the independent artists in that area yeah. are into. And, yep. and you get a good vibe. Yeah. Uh, so those kind of things. Yeah. The coffee shops. and But mm-hmm. even the coffee shops, like, they, they, you know, there's yeah. it's a dying breed as well. Yeah. So then you got to get specialty shops. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, you know, let's say like there's this great place. Uh, I eat a plant based diet, um, and there's this place in West Ashley called uh, what is it? Uh, oh gosh, the abundance of sweet something. It's a vegan pastry place. Okay. Uh, it's in West Ashley, and and but the name just as soon as I started saying, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh no, you can insert it. In oh later. no, old age just <laughs> kicked in. Um, there goes that name. <laughs> something of abundance of sweet something or other. I, just look vegan yeah. pastry shop. You'll find it. Yeah. And I apologize because it's wonderful. Yeah. And it's so unique. And it's just like this beautiful like cafe. But then, you know, as soon as like those things stop, start popping up, then like Starbucks can be like, we're going to have a vegan bakery section. Yep. yep. You know, just just like on the Internet, we see all these social media networks like mm-hmm. I, I just turned on Instagram and like they have like they're trying to like jump in on the clubhouse thing, like where they've got, oh, create your own like live yeah. room and invite yeah. your friends to have a live conversation. I'm like, that sounds great. It yeah. exists already and this company's new and and it's the hot new thing. Mm-hmm. And Twitter's doing the same thing yeah. too. And like, they're all just like so quick to just, yeah. no, 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 you yeah. can't have your individuality. Yeah. We want that. Yeah. And I feel like America does that time mm-hmm. and time again. It's my, maybe not just an American problem because yeah. when you go overseas, you're starting to see that kind of stuff happen mm-hmm. there too. Yeah. So I don't know. Is it is it good to have that comfort, to have that common string between us all? Or do we really... Um, has this pandemic situation that Ugh. we're just, we're still going through, has that made us kind of more localized and realize like, hey, we need to like appreciate the things that we have close by Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think I don't know so much on that like aspect of uh-huh. that topic, but I think like a thought that just popped in my head when you were talking about it is I think it's so important for people to be authentically themselves. Yeah. And how do you get there? I think you get there by or at least I got there by living um, living how I was, quote, supposed to live. Mm. And, and trying to work towards goals that I don't know that I necessarily aligned with, but I thought I had to do them in order to be happy. And, um, I had to live that way and realize, well, wait, I already did what I was supposed to do to be happy. Well, why am I not happy? And then I had to, you know, break that down and realize, well, I'm not doing the things that I need to do myself to ensure my happiness. Um, And once I started taking care of myself on those aspects, then I could be more open about other aspects of my life. And I felt more connected with my inner self and like my needs and my wants and how to communicate them. Um, And so I wasn't scared to stand up for what I believed in like outside of myself, if that makes sense. So I think when society kind of pressures people to be a certain way um, and you haven't had that experience of like connecting back with yourself and kind of finding your voice, um, that has been a huge theme of me over the past few years. Um, just you, finding my voice and yeah. Sorry. Do you think, do you feel like you could have gotten there without the pain of the depression, the anxiety of, of no. 
of making the of following yeah it, it's a hard thing to tell somebody hey like you're gonna have to friggin really struggle to find yourself yeah, yeah. and and uh and i don't think everybody has to i don't i think um, i think, the, I think but, most people do <laughs> i think a lot of the stuff that happened to you in college though and on that path and mm-hmm. that and working in in the field that you were you were trained to be uh working in yeah um there's probably stuff that, and, and as you go on in life, you mm. will, you will actually notice it more and more and more as you get older. Yeah. Uh, things that were important that you learned from that, that you, it's like, Hey, I learned that doing this other thing. And now I know when I'm doing this thing, mm-hmm. what to do and what, yeah. what the right decision is here. Cause I've already gone through that in a, yeah. in a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. So you're not really, it's not like you're wasting time yeah. by going on that discovery process. Mm-hmm. And oh no, not at all. Yeah. And I think it's change. Like that is the factor for me that I've always feared the most. Mm. Like I think that, which is funny because when you're not happy, you need change mm-hmm. to get out of this place you're in. But my therapist pointed out something really important to me that uh, most people fear change. When things are changing, they're anxious because they're not sure if it's going to work out or if this is what they need to be doing. And even if they're not comfortable with where they are, they just fear change. Right. And, but in history and it, like when you're growing up learning history, you're being taught the moments of change in society. Oh, yeah. Every historical moment is Every when historical something moment, shifted. Yes. Yeah. But like, we're not taught that perspective on it. Mm. We're not taught, hey, this is when the, you know, focus of our nation changed or when, you know, this gen- whole generation changed, at, you know, we're taught like, oh, this happened then. Yeah. And then this is how it was after that. And it's hard to process. We're not taught the process. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the process too, the, in the ways they do explain like, oh, well, this war happened and it changed this and this many people died to make that happen. Yeah. And the gravity of that does not hit home because it feels like it was Especially when you're so younger. long ago. Yeah. Like I wasn't even alive then. Yeah. So it's like make-believe time, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and you can't if that feel, even ever happened yeah, right you, here now. I don't know. You can't feel the like gravity of the change, I don't right. think, unless you experience it. And so when you asked, you know, can you do it without the pain? I think a lot of people can. Um, but I think, at least for me, it everything that I've been through, mm-hmm. exactly how it happened needed to happen to like accumulate where I am today. And well, do you see someone like a Billie Eilish who's – extremely young mm-hmm. or Justin Bieber, extremely young, finding immense success. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you didn't even have a chance to fuck up. <laughs> like what the hell's going on here? No, I don't know. Do but no, I'm not that. saying it. Yeah. From, I'm not saying from a judgmental standpoint mm-hmm. of like, Oh, screw them. They didn't even have to struggle. But yeah. like, do you, when I ask the question, like, is there, th- obviously people have done. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying they don't have their pains and whatnot, but yeah. I'm saying like to find a, a fulfilling thing to do in their life and, mm. and a way to, to exist that's kind of true to themselves. Like you get the feeling with Billie Eilish, she's never gone through a period where she just didn't have to be herself or well, didn't get to be herself. Yeah. I'm sure she, you know, go to school, there's things, mm. there's little things, but I'm talking yeah. about like making life decisions because you're on a path that you've been told to go down. Yeah. Know? I think, I mean, I don't, think I would necessarily look like Billie Eilish and think that just because I think Mm. that people's lives can be hard without, you know, the outside understanding their struggles per se. Um, And like, I know a lot of people that are my age that are very comfortable with who they are. And, you know, I, 
I use the word trauma pretty, you know, freely. Um, but I think it has, you know, different meanings to different people. And Mm -hmm. I think some people would say they've never experienced trauma and yet they are happy and um, they're content. And you know what? My perspective on that is great. You know, I'm, I'm thrilled that you genuinely feel that way. And that's incredible. You know, I think everybody deserves to be happy and everybody deserves to be proud of themselves and who they are. Um, but I know personally, and there's a million quotes about this, but like, I had to feel like what my low was. Um, when I felt my lowest, I didn't know that's what that was. I thought it was just reality. But I feel more compassion for people and mm. I feel more empathy towards people that are struggling. Right. And I think I just treat people, um, I think, with the mindset of how do how would I want to be treated in those lowest moments and and um I think because you I mean you never know what someone's struggling with. I right. mean someone could be literally telling you how happy they are and how great they are with themselves and then they go home and cry at night. That thought so, what you just said right there. Mm-hmm. Like that thing is such a hard thing to recall. Yeah. In a moment of anger. Yeah. So like if somebody randomly like cuts you off, flips oh, you off or does something just really rude to you, yeah. like uh, you know, out of nowhere and they have, or they have some weird reaction. It's hard to recall. Like mm-hmm. this person might, their dog might've just died, yep. you know, or something else mm-hmm. in their life that is just traumatic. Yeah. And, and so you don't know what they're doing. They could just be. So a, I have a theory an on person. anger actually. Okay. Hold I learned on. it in college. All right. Um, I was a psychology major and so we have different types of emotions. We have Mm -hmm. primary emotions and then we have secondary emotions. So primary emotions are like sadness and joy and then anger and anxiety are secondary emotions. Um, So when you're angry about something, it's normally a secondary emotion. You're either, that's hiding a primary emotion. So you either feel threatened, you either feel sadness or you even feel joy and, or you feel something you don't understand. Um, So when people are angry, it's never because anger is the only emotion in that. It's normally tied in. Yes, it's a reaction ah. to a different emotion. And so it's so funny that you brought up, you know, when someone flips you off in traffic and um, it's hard to remember. Well, you know, but I think with practice at that, mm-hmm. it's not that hard because that has literally changed how I drive. <laughs> I used to like, well, I used to just never give myself enough time to like get anywhere. And so I was always stressed when I was driving. (laughs) I wasn't the one necessarily flipping people off, but if someone would cut me off, I'd be like, oh, you know, it's like mini road rage. But I I realized it was just stressing my own self out. And so like when someone's rude to me or especially like I work at, um, in the produce department at Whole Foods now. And, um, sometimes people just like, if we're out of something, like I literally have zero control over that. Right. You know, but they'll be like, uh, you know, and they'll they'll say something rude and kind of take it out on me and then walk away. And I just I've found through like many practices like that of like dealing with people that, you know, just are kind of miserable people. And I'm like, you know what? They have to be like that all the time. Right. You know, that's sad. It's fun in a retail environment, too. (laughs) When you when you show that compassion back Mm -hmm. to them, when someone gets angry at you. Yeah. This was something I used to do uh, back when I was like a teenager mm-hmm. working in retail. 
Yeah. Um, and and when people would take out whatever anger they have about the situation, the company, the yeah. world, whatever it is, and they put it on you, um, and you come back at them with like really like a honest compassion, oh, compassion, or like you you diffuse the situation in an in a pretty nice way. Yeah. Um. And and but you do it in a way where you kind of you, you stand your ground, but mm-hmm. you still let them know like, hey, I hear you. I know this is tough, but what can I do to make this? And, and it's amazing when you see, because you most, they immediately most people, back down. most people all the, just do a 180 mm-hmm. and then they realize what they've done and what they've said and they just feel awful. That's because anger is a secondary emotion. Right, yeah. So it brings so them right good. back down. I yeah. love this. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. And so that was something I learned working in the medical profession, especially with like billing and everything. Um, one of my providers at the time, um, she just said to me, you know, whenever someone is yelling at me or is just being really unreasonable with me, I just try to be as kind as I can to them because Mm -hmm. I know that that's not their best version of who they are. And like, it's something that they're probably not going to be proud of, or I at least hope they reflect back on it and they aren't proud. So I just try to not feed into the negativity in the room. I try to like bring light to it. And I was like, wow. Cause I mean, it is so easy when someone's being, uh, you know, unreasonable towards you because like I react very anxiety driven to, um, to like, I'm trying to find the word irrational situations. Yeah. Like when someone has emotion towards me or something or a situation that I feel like is kind of irrational. Right. I'm just they just like, come at you out of nowhere. Yeah. Some, yeah. It's it's hard to it's hard to have a conversation or um justify actions or like find your ground with some when someone's being irrational because you're like, well, I feel like the ground you're standing on is shaky anyway. So yeah. They've already lost control of <laughs> yeah. their their ability to communicate. Yeah. 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 And so I think tying back to writing music, I think that that's been so freeing for me to have this outlet in my life where I can literally write about anything. Like mm-hmm. you were talking about earlier, you can write a song about sniffing glue. I mean, <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't have that experience to write about, but like, you know, I... You never sniffed like the markers <laughs> in, in grade school? Okay. Do you remember that? Like, I think it's called rubber glue. Uh-huh, that rubber cement. It's twisted and the, the stick is on the center of yes, the lid. Yes, and it sticks to I it. I do remember that mm-hmm. shit smelling really well. Oh, yeah. But I never like. I was very pure all through school. I never thought. I never really drank. I never did anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. You wouldn't so. catch me huffing paint. <laughs> no. So I wouldn't have that experience to write on. But I mean. But thank you to the Ramones for going yeah. through those experiences and yeah, telling so me that all we didn't about have it. To. So I could be like, yeah, that sounds great. I'm not going to do <laughs> that. I'm also not going to get a lobotomy as a yeah. teenager oh, either. Gosh. So let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And um, I just think it's such a cool area of existence really to have this freedom um i think sometimes when i haven't been checking in on myself and kind of really up in my self-care and um when i'm really busy is one Mm -hmm. time it feels overwhelming that the possibilities are endless um especially when i have so much going through my head every minute i'm very add so whenever i do write a song I always feel very accomplished and like connected to myself. It, it is a satisfying feeling. Yeah. And you get to that point where you're like, this is done. Yeah. I got this. But like on the sense of being irrational, sometimes I'm irrational with myself. 
and I'll start writing something and then I'll have like two verses. I'm like, what is this even about? Like, what are you even writing about? And it's mostly like these ambient thoughts in my head that are kind of like a track. And I used to be really hard on myself because I was like, you have limited time to write songs and like practice and like you've been sitting at your guitar now it's like one in the morning you've been sitting for four hours and like what are you even writing about and I I used to kind of be hard on myself because you know I am busy and I don't have that much time to devote to all of these different things in my life um but I I've seen it now as when that happens it's just one way to realize that I am kind of out of sorts and like my brain, my mind and my heart and my like body aren't as aligned as, right. as I want them to be. So instead of having that critical voice of you're being irrational, like you don't know how you feel. You don't know um, what you mean. You mm-hmm. don't know what you want to say. It's more so like I need to refocus like my intentions in my life in general and come at tomorrow with a new point of view and kind of just like reassess the situation. So I just think music and art too. Art is so frustrating yeah. to me sometimes. Well, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do, do you, uh, it sounds like you have really put a lot of energy into reading warning signs. Oh yeah. Like you are, it's, it, it, it appears from our conversation <laughs> right now that you, you, you're, you're really focused on, on noticing the signs when it's time to make a move, make yeah. an adjustment, make mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, do you, do you, I definitely feel, and I, I appreciate you saying that because yeah. that means a lot to me. Well, because um, it's such, it's just such an important skill to have because I feel like, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to talk about the pandemic, but collectively, I think. Something, you know, when we all, a lot of people, myself specifically, Mm -hmm. (laughs) thought like, okay, this is really hard. This sucks. We're going through this. You know, we're just going to keep fighting through it. Eventually, which one foot in front of the other, we'll get there. We'll get out of this. It'll be okay. It's going to, it's going to be very hard. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with challenges. I'm okay with doing hard things. I love to run marathons. They suck, (laughs) but I love to do it. I'll do it again because, the whole process is just something to, you know, you get through it and you get out of the other side and you, 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 you know, become a stronger, better person for mm-hmm. it. Right. But something happened with this where all of a sudden I didn't see the warning signs yeah. and then they overcame me and mm-hmm. I was completely in a, and I'm still in it. I'm, I haven't cotton out of it, mm-hmm. of this crippling anxiety and depression that is taking away the things that I found that I used to do yeah. and um, a lot of the things that I love to do to, to experience life to the fullest mm-hmm. are no longer available uh, in the way I, ways I, I accept or know and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, I didn't see the signs. Yeah. And, and I, I, I wish I did. I wish yeah. I understood yeah. what was going on. Cause maybe I could, actively course cor- yeah. correct at the time. Yeah. Have you found yourself able to actively course correct now? So it's a balance kind of, for yeah. sure. I was thinking about that while you were talking. Like, I think at least at the pandemic, like no one saw this coming, like at least for the extent of well, how long everything would yeah. take and like I don't, really I don't think, how I, separated everything would be. I don't I'm think. not going to say no one saw it coming. <laughs> I'm going to say that most people no one didn't listened. think it could happen. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because there are people 
definitely saw Gosh, it coming. I remember it's <laughs> almost exactly a year ago. I, I went to Thailand last year, February 26th through March 11th. Oh my God. I, uh, I backpacked a solo on a two-week trip. And oh my gosh, it was the greatest trip of my life. But when I got back, I cannot everything imagine. shut down. And I'm like, <laughs> like on my way there, there I had a whole, the plane was hardly empty. And like everybody was, was just kind of starting to talk about it, yeah. but not really. And um, like while I was over there, no one, it wasn't like mass time yet. No, yeah. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, cool. I get a whole row to myself. I slept for like six hours on the flight. And, um, and then on the way home, the day I was in Bangkok, everything was canceled except my one flight, my one flight out of Bangkok to Seoul, South Korea, and the one flight from Seoul to, or Seoul, sorry, Seoul, South Korea, um, to JFK. Those were the only two flights that were like, still going. Going. Yeah. yeah. They wanted and to get you out of there. Yeah. There yeah. was a billion people on each flight. And I was just like, oh gosh. And I got, you know, I was living in this bliss. And then I came back and I remember, um, I was living alone in my house at the time and I remember them talking about two weeks and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, okay. Like, I guess we can do this for two weeks. And I remember everybody feeling like that. They're like, Oh, well everything won't be shut down for two weeks. Like two weeks is so long, like restaurants and bars and stuff. And then here we are a year later. <laughs> it's like, um, I think this whole year has just been a lesson for people. So back to what you're saying of the warning signs. Yeah. I think, I think, that it's a delicate balance between knowing myself and seeing every time I see a warning sign, it's mm -hmm. because I learned that sign through a situation where I did not know it was a warning sign for anything bad. And so I think it's a, a conscious kind of effort on my part to not necessarily learn from my mistakes, but um, prevent myself the heartache and like the struggle that I have been through by not allowing myself to honor my progress by doing the right. same things over again. So I think like when you're talking about like warning signs when you need to change. So, I mean, for years mm. I had that feeling of anxiety where I'm like, I'm not happy, but I don't know why. And I don't have any um, need to figure out why, because I don't feel like I'm intelligent or I don't feel like doing the work that it would take. To Can you imagine you're not feeling like you're intelligent? Yeah, I am. Just, I definitely I'm, felt like yeah. that for, for a while. I, I would say that that would be the, um, well, I think the older you get, the dumber you feel. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if well, that's normal for most people, Yeah, but I feel like the older I get, like the more I realize, like I really am a dumbass. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think, I think it's when you're younger, you think that the world is yours for the taking. Well, and you get people telling you you're so yeah, smart, you're so yeah. gifted, you're so this, that, and the other thing. Oh, they, they're always lifting you up. Yeah. And, they're and never... you don't know anything yet. Right. So everything you're learning, you have to learn it because you just don't know it yet. And then if you experience <laughs> rewards based on that stuff, like, oh, here's this scholarship, mm -hmm. here's this prize, yeah. here's this thing, here's, oh, here's a record deal, yeah. here's whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, it's because I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you get like yeah. to fool yourself. Like it's easy to get to that track. <laughs> yeah. And then you realize, no, you're just an idiot. You yeah. Know? yeah. Other people saw saw something that they could use for, from you. Yeah. Or whatever it well, is. Well, yeah. I think, but I think intelligence is emotional as well. Mm. So like, I think my capacity for learning has changed as I've grown. Right. Because it's not just about like taking the information in a textbook and regurgitating it on a mm -hmm. test. It's more about like, exactly like we were talking about, like 
assessing a situation and being able to maneuver in that situation or like, I mean, I still feel very unintelligent when it comes to like adult, like taxes and especially with my small business, like, um, I just, I feel very unprepared for like that aspect of adult life. Um, I mean, I'm doing it and like insurance and all of that good stuff. And I wonder um, how much of that is personality type though, because, because, because there are some people, um, that are so like their language is, is in abstract in like arts and, and, and whatnot. Um, which is why this whole podcast exists because I love talking and exploring about that stuff. But I find a lot of times that those things and like certain things like, you know, structured accounting. Yeah. (laughs) They don't always mix. Like they, it's almost two foreign languages that just have no common denominator in between them. And you're like, I got to do this. Mm -hmm. I've got to learn all this. I feel that way with like band politics a lot. Oh my goodness. Like, um, especially as a female musician in Charleston, I feel like what kept me a lot in the beginning from kind of putting us out there and, and trying to play shows with people is I felt like I wasn't going to get like an even opportunity. Um, because it really? was, a, yeah, I because felt because you were a female because I was a female and also because I didn't have anything out yet. Um, I just feel like, and I still feel that way, kind of. Um, I think male bands work with male bands a really? lot more than they do to bring, like, a girl on to the bill. Yeah. Wow. Do you still feel that way? I, okay, well, I no say one's that. playing shows now. Well, no, no. But, I, <laughs> but yeah, I, I do. I, I do feel that I way. I feel like, well, I feel like in the last X amount of years mm-hmm. um, that women have taken over rock and roll. Well, yeah, and, and I mean town. that. I mean that, like numbers wise, like mm-hmm. most like guitar based rock and roll. There are women in in either they're the front person or mm-hmm. uh, in a lead role. Yeah. There's a lot know? more women in music, um, for sure. Well, and and I have talked about this before on the podcast. Like Fender did a study, and they found that like 50 percent of the guitars they sell, like mm-hmm. uh, to first time guitarists, are to women. Mm-hmm. So they changed their whole marketing strategy yeah. to include and target. Yeah. Women. Yeah. Um, so, so I do feel that's why I'm surprised that you yeah. still feel that way. Cause yeah. I, I remember having this conversation with this dude. Um, I don't even remember the band's name. I remember they were from Atlanta and they played at the Royal Americans maybe yeah. three, four years ago. And this guy, I sat down outside, like I was there during the day doing something and he was, they were there sound Sounded. checking. And so I just sat down with this guy talking to him over a beer and he was explaining to me like how hard it is to be an all white male band. I in roll. Atlanta, I just he's rolled like, my eyes so hard. I well, I was I was sitting there like, am I really having this conversation? But I was like interested to yeah. see what where he was You're going. Like, what with do you this. mean by that? And he he was basically saying like in the punk rock community of Atlanta, if you are not if you don't have uh, somebody who's either um, uh, a different race, mm-hmm. woman, or transgender, or gay, or whatever it is, if you if you're just a cis a mm-hmm. white male band and that's all that makes up your band you will not get booked in shows you will wow. not be included in festivals you will not and then like a month later they were playing shaky knees and i was like what the fuck is this guy talking yeah. about you're playing shaky like knees that mindset is a toxic toxic masculinity ruins the party again well i think it's the the, <laughs> the weird 
Because it's not reality. Yeah, it's the weird belief that 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 there's these things that you can't control that uh, that are that are pulling pushing you down. That you're being ostracized. Like, dude, well, no. since when? Yeah, like relax. If you're good, it. it I mean, I I know meritocracy is not like a, a popular word amongst everybody, but in reality, if you're good, people are going to notice. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, if you're a band that's really good. I don't care if you're made up of freaking toads. Yeah. Like people are going to notice and you're going to be really good. So I, I'm just, I'm, I'm saddened and yeah. sh- that to, to hear from your perspective. It's been hard to break it's, onto it's still the scene hard. for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm really grateful for nine to five and Taylor Serwinski for oh, yeah. booking me and things. And, um, well, this FemFest female- thing that yeah. we could talk about as well yeah. because you were playing, you played the first FemFest and you I were playing did. the next one, right? Yes. And, um, so I kind of, I remember being at Tobin's with Taylor um, this fall, Tobin's with Taylor. Tobin's with Taylor. That would be a good. This movie's coming radio to Netflix. Show. Yeah. <laughs> this fall. Yeah. Oh gosh, I would love a TV show about Tobin's. I love that place. But um, Anna Crosby was singing with some of the um boys on stage. She like mm-hmm. came up for one song, and I just said to Taylor, I was like, "Man, you know what? We need more women in this town mm-hmm. singing." And like, wouldn't it be? And she's like, "Yeah, we really do." And you know, we just had a conversation about an all woman lineup and she made it happen. And I was so grateful to play the first one. It was incredible. Um, I played with baby Yaga and babe club for the first time. And, um, that was so much fun. It was so much fun. I missed your show. You did, but that's okay. okay. I'm sorry. Will you be at the next one? I hope so. I got, I, I, the only reason I haven't bought a ticket. I was like, I just need to look at my schedule Mm because I know, I'm going away at some point during that month. Okay. And I just want to make sure it's not yeah. that. Because it, I feel like, you ever feel like every time you travel? Oh, yeah. Like every good show comes to town? You're mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's so I'm, a, hoping, yeah. I'm hoping Yay. I get to go and actually experience the whole April thing 17th, this time. Yeah. Tradesman Brewing. Yeah. yeah. I'll be I'm fully excited. vaccinated by Woo! then. And I'll be completely ready to take on the world <laughs> and not feel guilty that, well, still going to be yeah. practicing whatever mm-hmm. we need to do. Distance. But there's like this guilt that that yeah. gets lifted when you go out and do something and you're like, well, I, the, the chances of me spreading it to yeah. somebody else that might kill their grandma or whatever. Yeah. My dad like, just got gone. fully vaccinated. So it's, um, it's quite an emotional. Yeah, experience. I had COVID actually in June. You did? Last year. I did. Did, did mm-hmm. you um did you know it when it hit you or were oh, you yeah. symptomatic? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. It was the worst sickness I've had in my life. Oh, well, no. I've been pretty sick. I've had surgeries and whatever, but like flu wise, yeah. I had really bad body aches, really terrible like strep, th- mm. sore throat and a cough after a few days. I had a really high fever and my AC was broken at the time what? in June. So it literally felt like I was living in hell. Like I was like, is this how I die? Like, And this it's not has like you could it. go to your friend's house to nope. sleep on their couch and enjoy their and air AC, conditioning. Yeah. Oh. And, and the AC guy couldn't come over to fix it because I had COVID and I didn't want to give it to him because my AC unit's inside the house. It's like oh, it's one like of those a, individual yeah. ones. Uh-huh. Oh gosh. And, um, were you like on Amazon? Like, can I get an in window unit <laughs> delivered today? Same day. Please? I had like six fans going and I was just like, no, but I, I don't know. I don't think I realized at the time that that's what was wrong. It took me a few days to be like, oh wow. gosh, my air isn't working. I thought I would just had like crazy fever. You were getting a but, fever. You're yeah. Like, Man, this is so, really bad. Yeah, yeah. It's been, I mean, that was a crazy experience. I, Mm. um, and then, but because of how sick I was, my boyfriend's dad works, um, in immunology and he was explaining to me because we went home for Christmas to see his family and Mm -hmm. I got COVID tested 
and negative and I got negative and then I got antibody tested and I it came back that I still had the antibodies in December, like late wow. December. Um, and he was explaining that like the sicker you are and the more your body has to like fight off the illness. So you the antibodies that you form well, like, I don't know if they're medical strong. term, they're but they'll la- quote, last longer or they're stronger. Each of them is stronger. So they, yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so that's been very interesting. But but to tie back to males booking bands and, mm-hmm. and females booking bands, I don't know if it's, I think that just the collective conscious is like, I definitely feel more comfortable being around women and especially in music, like reaching out to uh, another woman in a band about playing a show together or something like that. And um, I don't know if that comes from reaching out to men who have not gotten back to me or if it's from just feeling more comfortable with. Yeah. I wonder how much of it might be a a situation because, you know, just from booking this podcast, Mm -hmm. I mean, just you and I connecting. It took yeah. us quite a while yeah. to finally connect. Yeah. And it was just whatever life situations going on. But mm-hmm. also I knew I know when dealing with creatives, if I send you a message today, you might not get back to me for like two weeks. Yeah. And it's not because you're being rude. Mm-hmm. It's because that's how your just, brain works. That's how you are. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes I I'll get messages back from people months later saying, mm-hmm. Hey, you want to do this thing? And it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. it's uh, the, the and, invitation is you know, open. As a creative, I appreciate that mindset so much. Yeah. Um, it gets a little panicky, though, when sometimes yeah. you're like, you, you things, you're like, oh, no, I have no guest for this week. Yeah. Or It's a, and, it's like you were talking about your laptop, like, like well, I know my warranty is good till May. Like, well, I'll just put it off. Yeah. I can just push it off. And then, yeah. and then I also realized that some people are just not comfortable. Yeah. I think when, when I had Babe come yeah. on here yeah. and the way that podcast started was so hysterical. <laughs> I love both Je- of them so much. Jenna yeah. was just like, started Oh, gosh, talking. I didn't know we were going to talk about this. She, yeah. she just started talking. And she's like, and uh, this is the first time I've ever done this before. Yeah, so so I don't know what this is. Yeah. Like, and I was like. I think, because I just listened to that episode again. And um, I was like, well, I feel the same way. I think most people probably do when yeah. they're talking into a microphone. Um, like right. I've never been interviewed on on record before. So yeah, well, um, and, and and this is such a, a weird format too yeah. for for just most a conversation people. because yeah. well traditional radio you'd never go on this long. We'd be yeah. taking breaks. We'd be we'd, yeah. we'd you'd have an agenda. Pointed questions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would I would keep everything nice and tight. And this is just like, you know, podcasting is to let people just have conversations that are somewhat focused. Yeah. I mean, they're, they, but they can be whatever you want them to be. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I, I, I'm like, come on, we'll, we'll do whatever. Yeah. That's like, so cool about it. I love that. It's that's, I think it's a really authentic way to get to know the people on the podcast and right. yourself. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, there aren't any, there's not a framework necessarily. So it, you yeah, just no go wherever you're, mind takes you and however that is kind of crazy for my ADD because like any jump at any ch- topic change or anything I'm like yeah let's talk about that yeah let's what were exactly. we talking about again but what that's, I want to say <laughs> that's my favorite kind of, yeah. of shows like if we were to just sit here and talk about one thing just mm. I mean I wasn't even sure we were going to talk about your music we haven't yeah. even gotten to your art yet I know we yeah were like almost let's an hour there. 20 yeah. into this we and there. we haven't gotten to your art yet which, yeah um which started first actually yeah and and also you have I would say your music falls more into like singer songwriter type stuff, but that's all mm-hmm. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you don't have a lot that you've put out there mm-hmm. yet. Yeah. Which I hope you I do. actually have another one recorded that I'm going to share with you. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, do you want me to play it on the podcast? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes. I'd love for you to. Yeah. I would love to. Um, oh my gosh. That, that's exciting. Both of these songs, like Broken Frame is one that's on mm-hmm. Spotify now. Um, that was one I wrote over two years ago that just like I sat down one day after work and probably wrote it in like 15 minutes. Wow. Um, and it's very like structured and um, I love the message of that song and uh, I'm very proud of it. I love it. Um, we play it a little bit differently now than like the, the recording is just because it's the band and everything. But um, and then Medicine is the other one that I'm going to share with you and mm. it's unreleased. And that one is about um, a conversation that I had with my boyfriend about being on medication. And at the time, he told me his opinion, like about antidepressants and um, anxiety medication and sleeping medication or anything like that, allergy medication. Um, His opinion at the time was that the mind had power over the body and that he didn't really believe that. people needed to be on medication uh that they had the power within them to like not take it if they Mm. so choose and um that's just not my belief at all and um you know as a psychology major i'm like well brain composition is what it is like if you have a failing kidney you can't just think that away like you're gonna have to take medicine to overcompensate for you know i get where he's coming from though because 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 i i mean on the surface that sounds nutty to say but I think when you look back into, um, I think it's more, I think most of our, our medical conditions, including mental yeah. conditions, are, are uh, a result of, of our inputs, of what we eat. Oh, yeah. Of our environment. I don't think medication is right. the only answer. I think medication I is a patch. Because well, in other words, you're treating the symptom. You're not treating what's caused your liver to well, fail. Well, yeah. That's right. why I but think. But you need to treat the yeah. thing before you die. Well, that's why I think, at least with mental health. It's not a magic pill you pop that makes no. your anxiety go mm-hmm. away. And I think Big Pharma wants you to think that. Right. And if this pill's not working for you, then try this new pill or this new pill. Or combine it with this new pill yes. that treats and the that symptoms not, of the pill that and, you're taking for the take other thing. This one, but then it can't, it makes you not be able to sleep at night. So then take this one to sleep and then you're really tired in the morning when you wake up. So then take this to wake up in the morning. That makes it hard to sleep. It's just like a, that to- is, I think that's a toxic cycle. Right. But I also don't believe, like I believe some people genuinely need medication. Mm-hmm. I think at least with lo- like low dose antidepressants and um, it just raises people's baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, but as someone who has been through that journey several different times in my life of being depressed and getting on antidepressants and trying to find the right one and the weight gain and the symptoms and, and just stuff like that. Um, and that I needed the medication at at that time with therapy and with exercise and with Yes, Fine, like you're like treating the immediate symptom yes. so that you can get to the root cause and fix that. And then I got to a point where I didn't like I'm not on medication anymore. Yeah. And that's the goal. And you're yeah, you're that's not trying. The goal. Yeah. But I wrote this song about um like people like you say I don't need medication, but the thing that keeps me high is you. And like we use like you think I don't need medication, but it's like people are drugs too. Right. And um, it just talks about like sanity and what people think sanity is. And uh, well, I mean, we, everyone takes medicine. Let's listen to it now. Yeah. Hold on a second. Do you got it? You have it on your phone? 
my goodness. Oh, go yeah. I did not expect <laughs> it to be yeah. like such a rockin'. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I kind of was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we describe ourselves as psychedelic rock. So. I, yeah. yeah, but it's it's definitely got like a, a grungy '90s Thank kind you. of Thank Raiders-ish you. type of thing going on. Yeah. But you know, it's funny. I was thinking before uh, we were talking, and I'd love to hear it here. I'm like, you know, Charleston needs a little bit more of like a tinge of the lo-fi thing going on. And I know that this is probably like a demo. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but the fact that you've got this vocals that sound very they're they're not overly processed. They're not perfect. They're yeah. not glistening as yeah. far as like the production value overproduced of yeah. yeah they you, you sound like you're you're in a practice space yeah. almost you know what yeah. i'm saying like mm-hmm. I, i'm a huge guided by voices fan so i kind of have that yeah that garbage of, too garbage does yeah, that too yeah that part of my brain that just kind of understands like that's how it sounds to you when you're mm-hmm. playing it in, yeah. your, in a room with with your uh with your bandmates yeah and I'm really so, excited about that one. Yeah. yeah I, like I saw you name. smile at the um, Ashley Avenue lyric. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that chorus, I was living on <laughs> Ashley Avenue. I wanted to, I want to talk about this one. So the house that was next to me when I was living there, the house I lived in was brand new. It was yeah. one of those ones that had the quote original beams, mm-hmm. but it's just one of those high rises. That's like a very cookie cutter apartment. Yeah, and they saved like a piece of wood to say, yeah, the beams across store. the living room. Yeah. yeah. And um, the house next to me was, uh, it was condemned at one point, but people definitely lived there. And when we first moved in, they were like um, taking our water. Wow. Like, and they didn't have power. And um, so it was like a punk house and they're stealing uh, your, your yeah. water from like punk the Punk would be one word for it. Yes. But yeah, the lyric, <laughs> like um, I, I like was peeking through my blinds at, like four in the morning because they were making a ruckus. And I watched a lady walk in looking seemingly normal. And then she walked out looking really drunk or like messed up mm. or something and um so was that i was just i had this moment where i was like i am safe inside this nice house and i have the means to live this life but what is separating me from where she is right now yeah like how did she end up there and i ended up here and it was just like this trippy moment and um yeah it's that's kind of an ode to I think I'm very like nature and nurture person. Mm-hmm. I think we're born into a thing that kind of determines our life, but then we have the power with what we do with how we're born. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I just, I had this kind of moment where I was like, hmm, you know, if I had woken up in her body, I might've been living that life. You know, I just think it's, it's such a trippy thought to think yeah. about, you know, what, you know, the homeless person you're passing on the street as you're on vacation, you know, what, how did they end up there and how did you end up here? I think a lot of people like to think, well, you know, they chose to be that way, but yeah. No. So that's what that, yeah, that, that's, uh, it's an ode to where I used to live. Well, and, <laughs> and the the, house, yeah. you know, the, the, um, the, the getting your bike stolen downtown yep. thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm convinced it's not like the crackhead next door. It could be. Um, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like an organized yeah, thing. Yeah, I think they drive around and they're, they're they just steal them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then my, they sell them again. Yeah. I'm like marketplace and stuff. Yeah. My daughter Craigslist. had a bicycle for like less than two days mm-hmm. and it got stolen. Yeah. And I was like, why did you? She's like, I chained it up to the fence. I was like, that doesn't mean they'll take the whole fence. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll cut I've the fence. I've learned too. to do my bike lock on like 
the handle railing of mm. the like porch or something, not like so they the, get the vertical ones because the vertical ones, they can pop out really easily. Yeah. So, but if you do it like around a big post or around like the handrail yeah. that's connected, they can't steal that part. So I think you just, just a little it. tip for everybody out there. If you're locking up your bike. Yeah. I, yeah. It, it's so sad because yeah. it's just like, I'm of the belief, like get the worst bike and make it ugly, but they still will steal it. They don't yeah. care. Like yeah. you can have a hot pink, bike Man, with yeah. neon day glow like green yeah. handlebars and put stickers on it and oh, yeah. mismatched tires and and, and like, you'll see a, a grown male riding it down the road mm-hmm. the next day you're like hmm did you buy that from yeah. walmart that I don't know, man. Suspicious, man. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, I'm but, excited about that one, and yeah. I hope to put the finishing touches on it soon. Well, thank you for sharing yeah. the, the work in progress yeah. version because I, sometimes those are the best. Yeah. I so think. that was recorded and produced by Julie Sinecki, mm-hmm. who is a female musician. She just moved back to Charleston. Uh, we recorded it in Atlanta when she lived there. She's a dream to work with. Um, That's so super great. Super creative. She helped me play um, the instruments, and then John Pope played the drums on that one um they're both in sex brews question mark <laughs> um but they're they're just really it was it was awesome working with her and she felt i feel very safe and i hope to you know i plan on recording more with her in the future and that's so exciting yeah yeah i'm excited i'm excited about that one yeah i think we're gonna have to do a, tr- a part two at some point <laughs> yeah and just focus on your art because yeah. i know you got to get going soon yeah, so i don't yeah. want i don't want to uh rush that conversation mm-hmm. So yeah, we should probably plan to at I'm some down point to do get part together two. again. Yeah, we'll talk about or, Marvels by Marissa. Shameless yeah. plug. Well, yeah. I know that the you know there we're, we're hopefully going to have another uh, for love of arts type. Yes, fest yes, that is there. in the works. Yeah, yeah it's in the works. So. There's also, uh, I guess Vic Hart t- was telling me, and and uh, now I'm following the the punk rock um, flea market that's coming yeah, to town. Yeah, yeah, I think it's at Royal, right? No, no, it's going to no. be at. Uh, at the Shriners oh. place where oh. they have the comic oh, expo yeah, yeah, in Mount yeah. Pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a weird kind of place. You're like, what is this? Place? I've seen what some is good this? concerts there actually. Yeah. I saw Doom Flamingo there. And um, I think Grizz played there one time. Wow. Big Jack. No. Yeah. Grizz. But yeah. Um, yeah. I'm stoked for the next year and with the band. And um, now that like shows are kind of like outdoor shows are opening back up. They're on the table. Yeah. I am hoping. I don't know what the Royal American I know. I miss y'all. Royal, you hear this. We miss you. We love you. We think about you. I'm hoping you would (laughs) They're holding it down. I mean Yeah, they figured out a way to keep keep the doors open and and keep going. And and we're ready. We ready. (laughs) Like I hope that they're not doing so well that they'll not bring back Don't even put that into the universe. Don't put it into the universe. Yes. That's not an option. Yeah. I can't imagine. I can't I refuse to Except that John would ever make that call. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it'd but, be nice to, for them to have like some sort of like outdoor summer festival, summer shindig yeah. style thing to kick yeah. things back into to gear yeah. for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. and we're all ready. Yeah. <laughs> we're yep. all ready. We're ready. It. We and hopefully you. it'll yeah. be. Uh, That's a goal of mine to play. Play at Royal. Um, I've, yeah. I've played solo um, at, at Poor House on the Deck before, but I'd really mm. like to play there too. Um, I kind of like the outside now more yeah. than the inside. Yeah. Well, I haven't. What does the inside feel like? I don't remember. <laughs> no, I do. Lots um, of I'm stoked. I'm stoked to. Uh, well, they've taken. Yeah, um, I just love how they've kind of created a space for people 
outside mm-hmm. and socially distance in town. Um, like the last FemFest, you know, tables At were tokens, separated yeah. and mass required and, you know, the next Fem Fest, April 17th at Tradesman Brewing, you know, they're taking all the precautionary guidelines and, um, but I'm just glad that people are still holding space for us to create. I've learned through this experience of kind of finding myself the last few years that you can't always put your pressure, you can't always put the pressure on yourself to produce something, Mm. but as long as you are holding space for yourself to create and just to be authentic, that's when like every time you hold space for yourself, something beautiful is not going to come. But you have to constantly allow yourself that space and right. then something good will come. It yeah. can't be only every time you sit down and intend to do something beautiful that it comes mm-hmm. out. Like creativity doesn't work like that. That's the you know? professionalism of it. Though. Oh, That's, and the perfectionism. The, well, yeah. no, the professional of it, it, professionalism <laughs> oh, yeah. is oh. showing up knowing that it might not work. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you keep showing up because you're ready for those times when it does work. Yeah. And that's that's definitely yep. a big difference between, uh, you know, the a, a, an amateur and, and a professional. Yeah. I think it ties back to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, could I have been where I am today without the pain and without the struggle? Right. So I think it kind of just ties back into the mindset of, you know, I'm grateful for the times that I really feel feel like I have a good song that I've written when I sit down and intend to do that. Right. Um, because I know sometimes that doesn't happen. And, you know, I'm grateful for each of those times. I think gratitude is like the common denominator of these phases of growth in my life and like authentic and true um, progression. Because um, you can't only be grateful for the good in life. Like you have to just be grateful well, you don't have to, but I choose to be grateful for all of the different levels of of life, not just the productive or positive. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that gives you now that that's how you've been able to to name and and identify the warning signs that yeah. you have become quite uh, aware of in your life. Yeah, I yeah. feel like you could probably create a whole art installation. <laughs> Yeah. of warning signs. And, oh, that and, would be cool. And, and, wow. You, know, you could just do it through through abstract painting. Yeah. Well, again, that'd be cool. This is we're we're keeping the door open yeah. for yeah. another conversation. Yeah, yeah. But I, I and love with that. the band and and being scared and I'm so grateful for any opportunity that we have in the future. Yeah. And I can't wait to work with the boys more again. Uh, we got Curtis Stimson on the drums, Michael Gartman on the guitar, and Nick Davis on the bass. And gentlemen, you're doing great work. They are incredible humans. They're so respectful and encouraging. And, Mm. um, you know, I've touched a little bit on women versus men in the music world today. And I am so grateful to be in a band with these three, you know, men that really encourage me as a female and empower me and see me as an equal, which is really an incredible experience because I know um, some, I mean, even in town, some bands are not like that. With that's so that are, sad. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, I'm sad that that exists because yeah. I, you know, you, you kind of like live in these this this yeah. um, this feeling like we've gotten past that. I know, and it's like no, yeah. we're, it's kind of like the pandemic. Yeah. It's like oh, we're over it. No, 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 no not, we still we yeah. still got a long but, hard road yeah. ahead. So of I'm us. just I'm just grateful to be in, in that that band and. Um, that's so great that you've yeah. got those people in your life, yeah. and, and I hope to that you will continue to have. Uh, supportive people throughout yeah. all facets yeah. of your I creative hope, life. I hope you do too. And everybody come see us on April 17th at Tradesman Brewing. We'll April, be playing yeah. with lots of good 
at FemFest. Lots of good women and um yeah, I think if you go like, what is it, 9to5mag.com? It's 9to5, yeah. 9to5mag. tickets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, my, yeah, and then do you want me to drop my Instagram and stuff? I want to know all the ways that people <gasps> yeah, can find, find you. Yeah, find me. So I don't have a website yet, but I'm working on that. Um, the band Instagram is Maya Gold Music. Um, and we have a Facebook, Maya Gold as well. And then my personal Instagram is Marissa Shreds. And then my art Instagram which is for another time, but Marvel's by Marissa. There you go. So, yeah. You, you, you can find somebody who who expertly saw the signs and rode the wave of Ooh. the Queen's Gambit without knowing it. <laughs> I know. I was like, wow. Uh, yes, but, yeah. <laughs> resin chess pieces. If, yeah, she makes resin, galore, custom yes. resin chess pieces. And I was just like, man, that's good timing to have <laughs> yeah. that skill when that show yeah. kind of blew up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't take as much advantage of it as I probably should have, but. People are still buying them. So. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you All so right. much. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, and by the way, welcome to the podcast. Yes. <laughs> I never said that in the beginning. And I was thank like, you for having me. I'm yeah. just going to do it at the end. Yeah, <laughs> it's been awesome. Yeah, I love having conversations with creative people. And thank you for holding space to have these conversations. It's thank needed. Thank you for being here. And I look yeah. forward to doing this again. Yes, me too. <laughs> he likes to picture himself as a smooth talker. But now the cat has got his tongue He places his feet inside his boots And his boots on the pavement And runs from his problems Same as everyone
next to picture himself as a smooth talker. But now the cat has got his tongue. Before you get going, don't forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And also, you can check out more at jwnpod.com or follow me on Instagram at Joe Latex. That's at J-O-E-L, the number eight, X. Have a great day. Peace.